Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Welcome to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, talking mostly sports, mostly in the SEC, and mostly with the Bama bias. And now, time for your hosts. Tom was a regular starter on his peewee football teams. After high school, he took a relatively unknown intramural college football team and had them one win from the playoffs. Late in his college career, he was a two-sport star and relinquished his college eligibility to enter the NBA draft. As an undrafted free agent, he turned to sports gambling and poker to make ends meet. Now he's here to share his life experiences and general sports knowledge with the world. He's Tom Sims, he's Rush Chairman, and he's damn glad to meet ya. His sidekick, who hails from Parts Unknown, Red Bay, he claims he can beat any listener at Galka, which is probably correct considering you guys have like eight listeners. He has three Fortnite Victory Royale solo wins. He's been known to weeble and wobble, but he's never fallen down. He has the face for radio and the voice for newspaper, Mr. Jason Tiffin. Uh, welcome back to episode 16 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm your host, co-host, Jason Tiffin, along with Tom Sims. And, oh, what what is this? Oh, my goodness. Uh, the president of the, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. All hail the chief. All, uh, all rise. I hope everyone is standing with their hands over hearts. <laughs> All right, enough of that. I thought that was an appropriate lead-in. The, you know, it's. I text my daughter, and she did not text back. I'm irritated about this, but I told her, she texts me, she's like, she screenshot is like Trump's going to be at the game Saturday because we're going. And uh, I said, yeah, I know. I said, it's amazing, isn't it? The most powerful man in the world and Donald Trump going to be in the same stadium the same day. <laughs> and, of course, I got crickets. <laughs> yeah, I got crickets back, but uh, – all right, how was your weekend, Tom? Man, it was good. It was good. Uh, uh, for your information, I eked out another win in both my college and NFL knockout pools. Hoo hoo, still standing. I did have one piece of terrible sporting news over the weekend, though. I got taken out behind the woodshed by midlife crisis in our fantasy football league. And no, fantasy football isn't for losers. It's real to me, damn it. <laughs> All right, my mic is acting a little weird, so if I go AWOL, just let me know uh, via text. I don't know. Maybe we can work it out. Can You You can hear me right now, can't you? Yes, I got you. I got you. Good deal. Loud and clear. All right, I got the word of the day today, and the word of the day is throttle bottom. It is fun to say. That's one That's reason nice. I picked it. But here's the definition, We're gonna and we're going to put a little broad definition on this. Throttle bottom is an innocuously inept and futile person in public office. So, 
I'm not really going to say, uh, I'm not leaning politicians here. I'm leaning more of people in the media, um, i.e. Danny Cannell and Heather Dinich. So throttle bottom. Oh, throttle bottom. I like that word. That's a word that I'm not familiar with, and uh, that is a excellent, excellent choice, sir. Throttle bottom. I'm writing that down. Throttle bottom. Love it. All right, uh, I'm going to let you lead with uh, our winners today. It's Oregon, and uh, knock yourself out because the, actually the guy I'm buying tickets from just called me. So I need you to get a little wordy on this, Tom, which shouldn't be a problem for you. Take it away. <laughs> well, the Ducks were fairly sloppy on defense in the first half and, and could have easily been down at the break. Uh, USC opened the game up 10 to nothing. And that's when Oregon took a uh, 14-10 lead into the second quarter. And USC still had some confidence. But then Keaton Slovis threw a pick six to put them in an 11-point hole. USC had one more bullet in that game. And they cut it to 21-17 right before half. But Oregon took the kickoff 100 yards after that for the score. And that was the backbreaker. Uh, they weren't competitive again in this game. And they got outscored 28-7 in the second half. So... How good is Oregon since their only loss is to Auburn? Well, I advocated for them last week as skating by some with their recent close wins, but this game was likely their last challenge before getting to the Pac-12 championship game. They should be double-digit favorites from here on out. So, I mean, after eight straight wins, close or not, I don't think we can ignore the Ducks anymore. No, I, I agree. Man, that was perfect timing. I just hung up with him. Uh, I, I didn't listen to all you said because I had to make an important phone call. i got to get those tickets in hand. It was some hand, of my best stuff. Here's what I had written down in my notes. I'm sure it was. It, I mean, we, we you know, they, they throttled USC, and uh, it was the Pac-12 after dark. So outside of the degenerates, probably 12 people east of Las Vegas actually watched it. Watched it. And it was kind of close at uh, at halftime. Actually, you know, I like USC to uh, to win the game outright based on the line. I mean, ranked team, barely favored over USC, who's not been a you know giant killer as of late. But man, they I, I didn't I didn't watch one play of it. Didn't look at the box score, but I saw the final score and it was impressive. Uh, you know, Oregon's undefeated after Auburn, and they've got some some nice wins. I mean, the Pac-12 is definitely better than the ACC, probably overall better than the Big 12, I would say. And, um, you know, the bottom line is if they went out, they're going to be riding a 12-game winning streak and be conference champions. Only lost to Auburn on a neutral field, and Auburn is not as bad a team as their fans want them to be. Uh, I, I don't, They're not top ten. But I would definitely say they're top twenty-five. So that is not a, a not a crushing loss as a, as a Ohio State has seen, you know, in a couple of years at, at Purdue, and then um, I can't remember the other one. But uh, you know, we will cover that a little bit more as we go about where Oregon fits in the uh, the college football playoff picture. Uh, our second winner of the week was Georgia, and I tell you what, how you know you watch the cocktail party. And I'm sure you did the same thing as I did, as as Clemson fans have done a few times, as Ohio State fans have done a few times. How do you lose that game at home to South Carolina? Their offensive line, man, Fromm did not even have to wash his uniform afterwards unless he just wanted to. Or, or maybe maybe he took off on a run and slid, so he had to wash his, wash his silver britches. But the jersey was clean. Uh, it was uh, zero sacks from Florida. 
their defensive front who's wreaked havoc a lot of the time this year. And, you know, finally a team outside of Bama got direct TV Jake Fromm. He went 20 or 30 on the day. Uh, the, the, pass, the, the pass to Cager down the sideline is some sort of wheel route or misdirection because, you know, the flow was to the right. It was, the, I guess, I think Fromm's in the shotgun, you know, but it's that seven, eight, nine-step drop and survey the field, and he whipped it out there and Cager scores. I mean, that was that's what Bama's been dealing with the last two years. Uh, their defense, to me, has that 2012, 2013, 14 Bama feel to it. I mean, they Florida, you know, Clown Shoes Mullen didn't try to establish the run. And, you know, they might not could have run, but he dang sure didn't try to establish it. And I thought that was a mistake on their part. But, you know, running game for their offensive line to be the best in the country on paper, and it's hard to argue with a performance like that, their running game is just not where I thought it would be with Swift. And Zamir White, you know, the number one running back a couple of years ago, I mean, he should be 100% from his knee. He's I – mean, I don't even know if I've seen him carry the ball this year. It's Swift and then everybody else. But uh, they they look good. And they are – you know, they're going to make it to Atlanta for the third straight year. And I tell you what, it's going to be – it's going to be tough to beat them. Their receivers who were a detriment to their team early on have really rounded into shape. Yeah, they definitely have, and you know, they squeezed the life out of Florida on Saturday. Um, you mentioned it. Florida only rushed for twenty-one yards in the whole day. That's not going to get it done. I felt like Florida was basically scratching and clawing all day just to give themselves a chance at the end, and I, I kind of feel like that's where Mullen went wrong. I mean, at no time did it look like Florida was capable of getting into the game and taking the lead early it was one of those hey let's just do what we can to hang in there until the fourth quarter and then just let the chips fall where they may you know and and, and they got there briefly they cut it to six there in the fourth and then that play you're talking about the one to cager down the sideline you know went made them a backbreaker there and 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 put put the game out of reach but they had a shot there in the fourth quarter down six you know but uh i think the game probably played out about the way we were all expecting as far as better than average defenses and less than stellar offense because even even georgia and 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 here's the reason that i kind of land on that less than stellar offense you're right georgia's a dangerous team on both sides of the ball particularly in the trenches They, they they are but when you watched LSU play this Florida team and they just went up and down the field on them at will, you you thought Georgia might have more success than they did offensively, and they didn't. They they didn't move the ball at will. It was it was really a game in the trenches. They never trailed, I don't think. But uh, uh, I liked it. It was a defensive game. But all in all, even though I called for Florida to win, I think this pretty much went the way most people expected it to yeah definitely vegas had it pegged <clears throat> side note i i realized after georgia lost to uh south carolina i've got them over 10 and a half wins i'm like because I, I figured i'm like who's gonna beat them you know maybe at auburn maybe the cocktail party i did not count on south carolina upsetting them so i'm like man i'm gonna lose that bet and if they lose to florida they're not gonna make it to atlanta i've got them uh winning the conference you know i figured i could hedge on that whether with the west team so i i was forced to bet some on florida to protect my bet and uh the line was six and a half so i'm i got the number i wanted to put in and daryl's over here and i'm like all right i'm about to put it in he said dude buy the point he said i bought the point 
buy the full point, get it to seven and a half, and I did, and the rest is history. Pro moves Daddy, there. Daddy Pro cash. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the losers, and it oh, it warms my heart. The losers we have today. Um, I'm gonna let you take the first one, but our first losers are Danny Cannell and Heather Dennett. Take oh, it away, Tom. Throttle bottomers. Wow, nice. Drink These up guys- if you're playing at home. <laughs> These guys are homers, and they always have been. Hell, we got eight listeners who are all Bama fans like us, and we voted Ohio State number one last week. These guys, Cannell and Dennich, look for any excuse to get hits on their social media accounts, and and most of the time that includes dissing Bama, you know, just for the reactions, whether whatever it is, poor defense, poor offense, poor coaching, poor schedule, poor wins, poor I'd like to say poor losses. We don't have many of those, but but whatever it is, they like to be <laughs> on the opposite end of that, and they like to homerize the ACC. Hell, Cannell keeps saying the stupidest thing: "You're the champ until somebody beats you." So I'm voting Clemson number one if that ain't the dumbest thing i've ever heard i'm not sure what is you might as well not even watch college football if that's your position you don't deserve to for sure uh i give no credence to either one of their opinions and man i'm loving that word throttle bottom i need to i need to work that in more but that that sums up these guys perfectly i mean what you know what triggered me um sunday morning is Connell tweets out, he said, welcome to the playoff party, Oregon. His top four teams, or well, he, and he got maybe top six. I stopped reading at five. He had Ohio State, agree. He had LSU, agree. He had Clemson at three. Okay, I can buy that. He had Oregon at four. One loss, Oregon, who lost to Auburn, he had them at four. Now, if if – if you believe that, that's fine. But how are you? How do you have Oregon ahead of Bama, and you also have Clemson ahead of Bama? Because we have a head-to-head game that we out we outperform Clemson, in my opinion, against A and M. So oh, yeah. you know, if he really wanted to, if he like, I would not have argued if he had Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Penn State. There's four undefeated teams, and and then Bama fifth. I mean, I still disagree with him, but at least he has some credence there. I mean, he's just a troll, you know. Yep. His team is crap right now. Florida State is withering in the wind, and he knows they're probably never going to be what they were when he was there with Bobby Bowden. And it, I think it kills him that Bama is so good. But, you know, and, and what's so funny about him – well, let me, let me switch to Dennich. So, Dennich, she continues all – you know, her all, her hatred of all things Bama. <clears throat> she uh, – I, I really believe a strapping young lad back in her – when she was in her ute – I think a strapping young lad Did you broke her ute? heart from Tuscaloosa. <clears throat> yeah, you know, ute. You know, like a young person, a ute. Are you trying to say youth? Sorry. I believe in when I believe a strapping young lad from Tuscaloosa broke her heart when they were both youths. <laughs> because she hates she she hates Tuscaloosa. She flo- she floats out there Saturday during the games. Don't be surprised if Clemson makes some noise and jumps ahead of Bama for at, at and gets at number three. Now she does have Bama at four, so I mean I can live with that. As we've seen, it doesn't matter. As long as you make the playoffs, the number one seed has yet to win the national title, and so if we're number four, three, two, I don't really care. It doesn't matter. You, you know the best the cream is going to rise to the top in the playoffs, but. 
and some guy said, some guy tweeted at her and said, um, you know, hey, Clemson's been scraping by, and now he he misspoke there, you know, and she corrected him on it. She's like scraping by. She's like Clemson has a, a winning margin of thirty three points a game. I'm like, huh? I wonder what Bama's winning margin is per game. <laughs> it's thirty three point something, mm-hmm. you know, a little over thirty three, <clears throat> but it rounds right. down. So. You know, and so I tweeted back at her. I'm like, wow, imagine their points per game margin, uh, winning margin points per game if they had beaten North Carolina by more than one point. It'd be astronomical. <laughs> but what's funny about those two is this, is they hate Bama. They they try to cover it up when they can, but it, it bubbles to the top, and they, they just can't help themselves. And so they would love to see a playoff where Bama is excluded. And they are doing the exact thing to ensure Bama gets in because Nick Saban, listen, I went down with my ex-wife. She had some, she was part of a company that had pain cream and it worked. I mean, it was like ketamine in it and it was uh, it was prescription. And uh, so she will, you know, we wanted to get out. She, not we, she wanted to get Alabama to use the pain cream. And man, they sold a ton of it and uh, Bama never used it, but she went in there and did a presentation and I walked in. I mean, I was like a kid in a candy store. This is when Julio was there. Ingram was there. Uh, it was 2010, and we were about to play Arkansas, and Arkansas had made some comments I didn't even think were a big deal. Uh, was it Ryan Mallett was the quarterback then, I think? He had said something very inconsequential. Dude, it was plastered all over the weight room, all in the tape room. I can only imagine what their lockers looked like. So all this <laughs> stuff to try to keep Bama out, I mean, dude – Canell uh, should get Christmas card. Canell and Dennis should get a Christmas card from Saban because he is using this. And when the CFP comes out tonight, please rank us five. Please rank us six or four. Oh my gosh! You know that is what that, that's right in his wheelhouse. The fans are going to be pissed, but Saban is going to love it. So, all right, off my soapbox with Dennis and Canell. <laughs> I think we know what they are, and and they're not going to change. Oh, and almost equally. Uh, warms my heart our second loser is auburn auburn man y'all had it it was right there on the tip of your fingertips if if only my boy 11th pick of the platoon draft john reese plumley <laughs> could have scored in the waning moments you'd be rid of gus Ole miss 21 auburn 20 gus is gone and it would have they would have taken the bad pub because it would have been bad publicity i mean gus we've talked about it in previous podcasts you know, he's successful. He's He is as successful at Auburn as I think anyone can be without blatant cheating, uh, Pat Dye. So, if he if he lost that game, he was gone. So, Auburn fans – actually, I don't know if I said the loser was Auburn. It's Auburn fans are the losers because they were so close to being rid of Gus. That's the point I was trying to make. Uh, you know, now it looks like Auburn's going to go 8-4. and four. They should lose to Georgia. They should lose to Bama. He went to the SEC championship game two years ago. 2013, he played for the national title. He's 8-4. and four. How can you fire him? Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, not not, not in, in keep face amongst the country. And if you fire him at 8-4, and four, what does that say to your potential candidate pool? Now, you're going to have some candidates out there that, that are going to absolutely take a paycheck, but for the type of coach they want to recruit, that guy's not going to be out there looking hard at a job where you just cut an eight and four guy, and not only an eight and four guy, an eight and four guy where four of his losses were against all top ten teams. 
How, what does that say to the incoming coach? You know, I thought if uh, if they would have lost that game, I agree with you. I think they might have cut him loose immediately. I, I do. I think it's just it's bubbling on the edge over there, and it spills out. They feel like they keep it all internalized, but it's it's definitely spilling out. You can definitely tell there's strife and, and turmoil going on over there just under the surface. And, and yeah, I think it would have spilled out. You know what I was thinking though? If if he would have been fired during, you know, during the week, during the week after or whatever, it would have been a perfect scenario for Kevin Steele. Because he would be the obvious interim coach i mean wouldn't you agree with that would there be any other candidates as an interim i mean everybody else is young unknown or inconsequential he'd be the obvious uh you know interim coach and as i got to thinking about it there are a ton of very successful coaches right now who got their start as interim coaches in just that uh manner i'm sure you can think of a couple big ones right off the bat Dabo Sweeney, Ed uh, Ogeron, Dabo Sweeney for sure. Ryan Day, all three of those, all three of those took over interim and then got permanent coaching tags. So, you know, I'm not going to beat it to death. It wasn't a good look for Auburn struggling with Ole Miss, but uh, we we already dissected Gus last week, so I feel like this is just piling on. Uh, did Did you ever get those piling on penalties in Pee Wee football? <laughs> I never did, but I always had the R on the helmet because you know, I was too big, <laughs> I was too fat to run the ball. <laughs> love it, love it. Some things never change. <laughs> All right, so that wraps up our losers. <clears throat> Again, our losers: Heather Denich, Danny Cannell, Auburn fans. Heather Denich, Danny Cannell, Auburn fans. Throttle Once again, Heather Denich, Danny Cannell, Auburn fans. All losers. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Meaningless topic of the day. I'm sure most of our listeners, if not all, watched the cocktail party because, goodness, there wasn't anything else on, really. I cut the game off and played Fortnite when I have 13 solo victories, by the way. <laughs> uh, up uh, from a from a sparse four. So, anyway, uh, first half, Georgia's driving. Georgia throws a pass to Cager. It's third and – let's just say it's third and five, third and six. It's third and short, relatively short, or third and medium. And, you know, he – Cager runs an eight-yard route easily in front of the sticks. The ball is low. He dives to get it, and he catches it, and then it's close. We don't know. They call it a catch. So they're like, all right, we're going to replay. You know, we're going to replay. They replay it. To me, the ball is clearly the, the top third of the ball is on the ground when he's laying there. You know, he, he caught it, but is also touching the ground. And, you know, even like – so Nestler is in the booth saying, oh, yeah, I think that's going to be uh, – they're going to have to overturn that. Danielson's in the booth saying, you know, this reminds me, Brad, of when Auburn took that kick six back 109 yards to beat Alabama in 2013 because <laughs> he loves to bring that up. And then they had the the referee, you know, the – I don't know who it is, Mike Perea, I think he does ACC or something. They had they had our – the ACC's version of Mike Perea on. is like, hey, you know, what are you seeing, Mike? And he said, yeah, this is it's clear cut. I mean, the ball's on the ground. The ref comes back, and he says, after further review, the call on the field stands. And I am and I just look at – my dad was over at the time, and Gobert, I just look at them mouth agape, and I'm like, what? How, how does how does the rest of the world – you know, I'm a Bama homer, but I promise you this weekend, if we bounce one on the turf and it's close, when I watch it, if it's clear it bounced, I'm going to say, you know what, as a correct call, it bounced. I mean – 
I'm not a, I'm not a, I might be a homer, I'm not an idiot. So I got to thinking, and I, I ran this by Tom, he said, yeah, let's roll with it. So here's the meaningless topic of the day. Would you be okay if Instant Replay disappeared? I'm talking no more Instant Replay. Now, you're welcome to watch it at home, and the, the networks are going to replay it, but I'm sorry, we're not reviewing any call, and... It, you know, let the chips fall where they may. You're going to win some. You're going to lose some. Would you be okay with that? And if you're not okay, what would your solution be? Take it away. You know, I can remember getting floppy disk in the mail so that I could uh, use dial-up to get on the internet. And now that I have internet that's lightning fast, and, and as does most everybody else in America, still complain about it being slow. Whatever it is, folks always want it to be better. And so they're going to gripe about everything. So, you know, is the answer to to get rid of replay? Absolutely not. I, for one, am abdicating for even more oversight. I think the job of the referee is thankless, and it's certainly not highly sought after. Get this, and I'm, I'm digressing a little bit from the topic at hand, but did you know that most an official in the SEC is going to make is about $3,000 per game. And a, and a lot of them have to take their travel expenses out of that. Some of them make as little as $800 a game. Uh, lower conferences, lower tier conferences, maybe even some on the same tier that's probably paying their officials even less. So if you're on the upper end of that scale, they're pulling down roughly $42,000 a year minus expenses. I think it's safe to say that most of these guys probably have other jobs. So that doesn't really leave a lot of extra time to perfect your craft. Now, I'm not blaming them for not being as good as they should to be. That's just kind of the system they're saddled with. But, uh, you know, let's give them all the tools they need. I agree that that Georgia call was atrocious. But sometimes I think the replay officials or the on-the-field officials or, or whoever it may be have been put in a box because they don't have the latitude to make good decisions for the game. And I think that's just kind of the, the position they're in as, as being not well-trained or not trained well enough. And so they're, they're sort of stuck in a box that they have to remove common sense and logic from the equation. You know, those kinds of uh, calls are something that we don't like to see. And, 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 Obviously, any novice at home could tell it was the wrong call, but some, something apparently didn't line up in the booth, and I'm not sure what it is, but I started looking. There's about two to three replays that occur on average every game, and of those, and it depends on which conference refs you're using. Some are definitely better than others, but you can count on about 30 to 40% of the on-the-field calls being reversed. That's a significant number. That's a, a huge number, really. And, and there's going to be mistakes. If you if you take replay away, those mistakes are still going to be there, but then they're going to be wrong 30 to 40% of the time, at least in, 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 you know, in the controversial plays. So I think that the, 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 the portions of the game where it's really important, where a, clearly a ball was trapped because of completion or a fumble that shouldn't happen or, or you know, a guy steps out of bounds trying to score and nobody saw it. Those, those calls are too important to the outcomes of the games. 
Hell, I've been saying for many years we should have microchips in each end of the football so that a sensor's tripped when it crosses the goal line or, or when you cross a first down marker. That, that'd be fairly easy to do with today's technology. I wouldn't mind pulling that from the officials as well, the marking the ball and such. So what I'm saying is give me technology over the underpaid eyes that we have on the field now, for sure, absolutely for sure. All right. My answer, would I be willing to give up replay? My answer is yes. I will take the good with the bad. Uh, we had a bounce ball versus Arkansas, I believe in 1995. It was in Bryant-Denny. Went against us. Madre Hill, if memory serves. Touchdown Arkansas, we lost. Oh, well, big deal. Uh, 12 men on the field in 2000. They didn't catch it. 1995, Curtis Brown non-catch in Auburn. You know, we should have had our first victory down there. Didn't happen. <clears throat> those three, those are three, and I guess you remember the ones that go against you much more so than the ones that go for you. But I think over a ten-year period, you're going to be right around fifty-fifty on is it, you know, did it help you, did it hurt you? Now that's not going to happen. So here's my solutions. As you said, hire full-time refs. Uh, we the conference makes entirely too much money to to be utilizing weekend warriors. Agreed. So hire full-time refs. Use the NFL model with coaching coaches' challenges. See, if you hire full-time refs, you can hone your craft, and you should make that, that 30 to 40% of overturns should be more like 10 to 15%, and therefore a coach can challenge. Uh, and, but here's another thing, too. Quick decisions. As soon as – you know, a lot of times – like a fumble is a perfect example. You know, you fumble a kickoff. The, the first replay you see, the guy's knee is, is – Easily down, somebody knocks it out. There's no question about it. That is coming back to the the receiving team. But, you know, what do we do? We have to look at this little six-inch screen. You know, the ref has to look at a six-inch screen. We're about to make a call. This weekend, there's going to be a call made for Bama for LSU that's going to tilt – that's going to put one team in the playoffs. No doubt about it. And we're going to let a guy looking at a six-inch screen make that decision when – you know, Bam, Bubba Bama at his home in Lochapoca is watching a 70-inch TV and can easily see it. So, quick decisions. You know, you can tell, okay, that's that the ground calls a fumble. Let's roll. But what do we do? We take two minutes and figure out where the ball's got to be spotted, what, how much time's left on the clock. Have a three-person group. It, it can be off-site. Give them all the camera angles. And as soon as they see it, hey, bam, there it is. Have one guy say, okay, the ball is placed at the 42. Another guy says, yep. Yes. Before you, before you ramble on, we, we have that already. The, 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 the six-inch screen the referee looks at, he's collaborating with the office in Birmingham, I believe, where they have a, a, a panel of three. I think you nailed it. I think you, they've already – I think they foresaw your forethought and in, in how many people they should be having looking at 72-inch screens on an off-site location, and that's what they do, to my knowledge, anyway. Tom, we're not going to let – listen, <laughs> two things in this podcast. We're going to drink beer, and we're never going to let facts get in the way of a good story. Keep, keep rolling, brother. Anyway, keep rolling. Okay, well, hey, well, that brings me to a point. Why is it taking so long? Bam, 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 let's go. Knee is down, ball is on the 42, reset the clock to 13.02, and let's play ball. But, no, we, we sit there for two minutes on the on the horn with the, the three guys in Birmingham or wherever. I just, it, it ta- it's entirely too long. And uh, last point is scoring and under two minutes. 
everything is replayed. Kind of like the you know, basically did the NFL model. Coaches have two or three challenges. They challenge, they lose, they lose their timeout, they lose their ability to challenge another one, whatever, whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, have a I problem just, with that. I, I don't see why with with us having replay. How do you miss a call like was in the Georgia game? And I mean, I'm not. That's a rhetorical question. That's one the listeners can tweet us about uh, uh, at targeting not or use the hashtag targeting not targeting. So anyway, off the soapbox, we're at 30 minute mark, and we've got to cover the game of the century, the current game of the century. We got two games of the week this week. The first one is Minnesota, Penn State. I've got myself leading. Here's my spiel on that. No one cares. It's the Big Ten. Sacrificial lamb for OSU. I'm done. (laughs) Well, I'll be quick here as well. Both teams are undefeated, but Minnesota is yet to face a ranked team. And even so, they've had four of their eight wins decided by seven points or less, even though they still hadn't faced the ranked team. Penn State has been tested by beating both ranked Iowa and Michigan. Home field advantage can certainly keep games closer than they should be sometimes, but this is an 11 a.m. kick, and most crowds in Minnesota are going to be too sleepy to be raucous at that time. Penn State should handle the business. Let's move on to the game, my friend. Got you leading. Go ahead. Oh, that's me. Well, well, well. I went deep in the weeds on the analysis for this one. I felt like Crocodile Dundee on a walkabout. LSU has the second-ranked passing offense in the nation compared to Alabama's fifth. They're also fourth in the country in total offense compared to Bama's ninth ranking. I think it's the general consensus across the country that LSU has the better offense, and the statistics show that as well. And with LSU having what most consider one of the toughest schedules in the nation so far, their numbers were put up against stiffer competition than Alabama's. So I went and looked into the stiffer competition a little bit, so to speak. On the surface, LSU has played Texas, Florida, and Auburn, who are all ranked in the top 10 when they played them. Now, that will tip the public perception in a hurry. Now, since LSU beat each of those teams, they all have at least one more game uh, that they've lost, and Texas lost two. So it's no secret that LSU, as well as Alabama for that matter, wants to throw the ball around. Uh, neither team has a rush offense in the top 50 in the country, which is highly strange for both squads, but hey, you do what you do best. So I started looking at who LSU was putting yards up against, and was the LSU offense mostly unstoppable, or were they going against a, a little bit of a second-rate defensive squad? To date, LSU has faced only two teams in the top 50 of pass defense, and that's Florida and Auburn. Now, there are two ways you can get ranked at the top uh, for pass defense. One, you play really good pass defense. Chalk that one up to my Mensa classes. Or two, you play teams who don't throw the ball. If you played Army, Navy, Georgia Southern, and a throwback Georgia Tech team, etc., etc., your pass defense numbers would be through the roof, but that still doesn't mean you have a good, you're good at stopping the pass. So Florida's ranked 37th in pass defense. They only face two teams this year in the top 50 of passing offenses. LSU, of course, is one of them, and Miami was the other one. Do you know who Miami's quarterback is? Couldn't tell you. Me either. Tate Martell. <laughs> Too late. You you went with no, <laughs> no you couldn't tell me. <laughs> 
Auburn is ranked 26th in pass defense while facing A&M, Florida, and Oregon, all who are in the top 50. Uh, and so I'm not sure A&M and Florida's quarterback play scares me, though. But, but what I'm saying here is that the two best defensive teams LSU has faced are mostly good against the pass because the teams they played have not been good passers. Auburn is more of the exception than Florida, but Auburn put up the best defensive effort we've seen against LSU all year. LSU mm-hmm. was able to exploit Florida on offense mainly because Florida's defense was overrated against the pass. LSU's other top 10 win was against Texas, who is absolutely nowhere to be found in the past defensive rankings. I quit looking down the list. I got so dizzy. Now, on the defensive side <laughs> of the ball for LSU, Texas and Florida ranked in the top 50 of passing offense teams. Uh, Texas is 14th, while Florida is 31st. Now, between the two of them, they threw for 731 yards and seven touchdowns against LSU. So that's really no surprise as there's been some grumblings that LSU's defense has some holes in it, but these holes seem to be exacerbated against passing teams. So here's the thing. Although Bama has not played any common opponents of LSU so far, and that's kind of crazy, us both being in the same division. We're eight games into the mm-hmm. season. We haven't played a similar opponent, but <laughs> – even though they hadn't, their statistical numbers are very similar. It's hard to say Alabama plays great passing defense because we've only seen one top 50 passing team ourselves, and that was Texas A&M. And it's also hard to say that Alabama's offense is better than LSU based on statistics alone. But here's where my hardy boy is inference comes into play. We all know what Alabama's offense did last year. The majority of those players are back this year, and the offensive numbers look similar or even better than they did last year. This offense is good regardless of the statistical numbers you throw on it. Now, our questions come down to defense. We played uh, A&M and held the the only top 50 offense we've uh, played against to 57% passing, 6.3 yards per catch. That also takes into account that late garbage TV, TD drive when we were up 27 with eight minutes to go. Now, let's suppose for a second you're the New England Patriots and they throw you in the Sun Belt Conference. Your strength of schedule would suck, but it wouldn't mean you weren't the Patriots. That's what, yep. that's what I'm getting at for Bama. They may not have played many top 50 offenses or defenses for that matter, but that doesn't mean we ain't Bama. You know more about your team if you played some of these better teams, but it doesn't mean you're good or bad. It just means you haven't played them yet. Now, as for LSU, they have played some of those teams in the top 50, and they won those games. But when you look deeper, those teams with top pass defenses were overinflated. The teams with good pass offenses shredded them. Even Vanderbilt had a field day on them on the ground, if you remember. Keyshawn, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. my, my uh, middle linebacker on my platoon squad, uh, shredded them. So Pick of sti- the draft. Yeah. Statistically, <laughs> Alabama's worst defensive day came against Ole Miss, where your 11th uh, pick, Plumley, had over 100 yards on the ground. But, you know, we also led that game 45-10. to 10. There was a lot of garbage yardage there as well. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. – I think we have enough sample size for LSU to tell what kind of team they have. They, they just played better teams all the way around, so we can kind of see through that. We don't for Bama because we just haven't got to the meat of our schedule yet, 
although I think A&M will probably make a decent showing when it's all said and done. But with that said, I'm going to infer a good deal from Bama. I think their offense is as good or better than last year. The defense is getting better, and they're likely improved from last year as well. The line for this game is currently six. I think it should have been closer to the preseason line at 14. I fully expect Alabama to win this game going away. They're they're going to shut down LSU. They're not going to shut down LSU, but I could see a 10 to 14 point halftime lead stretched to 20 to 28 at the end. It may end up worse if Tua plays as well. (laughs) Well, I, I like what you're saying, and I hope you're right. And I'm I'm going to have to kind of agree with you here. I mean, Divinity not playing, that's their linebacker. And uh, I hadn't kept up with LSU a whole lot, definitely not defensively. Uh, but a lot of the chit-chat board insiders saying that's a pretty big loss. I think Divinity likes to smoke the weed. What? That's at least – that's the rumor. So you got Divinity not playing. Delpit is questionable. Two looks good moving around on the practice field this week. Bama's at home. The president's attending. Game day is in town. LSU players and coaches talking smack before the game as they did in 2012, 2013, 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18. All of that, it won't matter. I'm sad to say. If you remember, when we broke down our West teams, I had LSU going number one. Or, or finishing first, going to Atlanta. And you questioned me. You took umbrage with that. I did. And you questioned me. And I had to answer the tough questions under oath. And I said, Tua's health will not allow Bama to go undefeated this year. And lo and behold, what happened three weeks before we play LSU, he gets hurt. Uh, and I think he, I don't think he's going to be 100%. Burrow is going to make one more play than Tua, and LSU wins a squeaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, this is and, a Bama and podcast. Do I do I believe that? Uh maybe. I got it, but I can't. I can't pull a. I can't start waffling. I can't say LSU is going to win the West and pick against them. I mean, come on. Hey, what smart kind of people change their minds, sir. <clears throat> All right. Well, you you did an outstanding job of breaking that down. I knew you would, so I just went with the the emotional aspect there. All right, bets from week ten. I got scolded again by James from Birmingham. I got a text from today, um, a semi apology, kind of a backhanded apology. So uh, I went one and one. You went one and one. I had Arkansas on the money line. I just misread it. I, I misread how bad Arkansas is. They're terrible. And uh, I had SMU plus. If I if memory serves, at SMU plus six and a half. You know, I think they were down fourteen and scored and inexplicably went for two and made it and covered. <laughs> so that was my win. <laughs> nice. SMU. I had uh, I had South Carolina who got the easy W. I claimed Vandy Woods garbage last week. They were. I also had A and M covering the thirty-eight point line over Texas San Antonio. A and M was up thirty-eight with the ball late looking to either get a a late kneel down for the push or actually punch it in for the win. They were over in Mm -hmm. Antonio territory. I was watching the game. They were down about the 30, and uh, their quarterback threw a pick six, and instead of being up 38, they were only up 31, and that's the way it ended. So, yep, one and one for me as well. Yeah, kiss to sister as usual. All right, uh, lines of interest week 11. Give me two games. I'm going to take TCU this week. Wrong team's favored. 
we went over this a little bit last uh, week in the monthly summary. Baylor ain't played nobody, Paul. Their unblemished record becomes blemished. I also found another game where the wrong team was favored. I got Duke plus the eight over Notre Dame. Duke wins this one outright at home as well. What's the line on TCU? Plus two and a hook. Two and a hook. All right, I agree with your Duke pick. I'm taking two games as well. I'm taking Clemson minus 32 and a half at NC State. Dabo is not going to be happy that Clemson's not number one tonight, so he's going to take it out. And I've got another wrong team favorite, Tennessee plus one and a half at Kentucky. I'm telling you, Tennessee is playing much better football. Uh, they played us, even with two in there, they played us pretty well. So they're one and a half dogs. You can go ahead and just take the money line there, give you a little bit extra juice for your $100 bet. Uh, all right, Instagram model of the week. You know, Tom, I don't know that you care. I don't know that our listeners care because we're a football podcast, but college basketball starts tonight. And I think it was Barstool posted this one on Barstool Babes or Smoke Shows, whatever. And her Instagram is at Sarah H. So it's spelled at S-A-R-A-H-H. And um, I don't think, I don't know. I can't pronounce her full name. I know her first name is Sarah. Her, her middle and last name, I, I'm going to say it this way. I don't think she was born in Olive Branch. I think she's from a foreign <laughs> country. But she is a looker, at Sarah H. Give her a follow on Instagram. All right, that about wraps us up. Three quick questions, Tom. These are unrehearsed, so this is organic, as we like to say. Tonight, oh, CFP comes out. Who's ranked higher? Who's ranked higher in the CFP tonight, Bama or Clemson? Bama. Bama. Hey, and by the uh, way, Deb higher? is the only one that makes me dribble. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot to ask you how she measured up. I'm so used to Deb trumping everyone but the horse. I don't even ask anymore. <laughs> All right. So who's hired? Uh, one loss team, who's hired? Oregon or Georgia? Georgia. Really? I disagree. I say Oregon. Is a one loss team ahead of an undefeated team? I know, well, I changed that because, yes, they're going to be ahead of Minnesota. Yes. But is a one loss team ahead of Penn State? No. No. So Penn State is going to be your number five pick, I guess. Yes. I, I agree with that. It's going to be interesting to see. Interesting to see. Uh, all right, that wraps us up tonight for I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. If you're traveling from Tallahassee, Florida to Auburn this weekend, to try to hire a new coach, do it. 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 Go north till you smell it and then west till you step in it. Take it easy, guys. Do it.